Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to After the Act, a film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we watched. We are your hosts. I am Randy here with Ned. And we are going to be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home today. The what? 23rd, 24th, 52nd Marvel movie in the MCU. I've lost count, but they're all yeah. great. They're all great. All 60 of them are fantastic. We're going to dive into this one today. Um, so per usual, we're going to start with our uh, overview of what we thought about the movie, followed by an in-depth spoiler review. Um, so let's just get into it. Ned, what were your thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home? Well, I'm just going to start off by saying that going into this movie, I, for the first time, felt kind of, I don't know, is meh an appropriate word? I, I, I'm going to, I know it's made up, but I think... That's the best way to describe it. After such an adrenaline rush that was Endgame, uh, I went into Spider-Man just kind of like coming down from the high still. Uh, I knew that Spider-Man Far From Home was going to be a completely different tone. Uh, but, you know, every time I... Like, as I was sitting there, I kept thinking, oh, it's a continuation from Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Uh, and I had to check myself right before the movie started because... I was already setting myself up for unrealistic expectations. But all in all, uh, I can't say anything bad about this film. I thought it was a nicely paced, appropriate end to the Infinity Saga, is what I believe they called it. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was pretty fun. I always enjoy watching Peter Parker in his uh, high school years. Uh, because generally speaking, Peter Parker's story as Spider-Man is pretty tragic for the most part. So I do enjoy movies where... I can kind of see him uh, having like these really weird high school struggles that really aren't that meaningful in the grand scheme of things. Like, hey, I just want to really kiss Mary Jane, which was, you know, well, I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Yeah, he, he really wants to kiss Mary Jane. Uh, and I just really enjoyed that because Endgame was just this really tragic, uh, epic kind of tale. And then here we go with a nice follow-up of Peter Parker just wanting to impress this girl and show her a good time on this uh, trip to Europe that they're going on. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was good. It was a good down downer, I guess I would say, from Endgame. Um, so yeah, I, I I liked it. I wouldn't say it was like one of my favorite Marvel films, but I, I did appreciate it for what it was, and I also really liked what they did with uh, Mysterio there. Uh, they portrayed him pretty well. Uh, considering I thought Mysterio looked like kind of a boring character um, in the comics. So they did a good job with that. What about you, man? Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I really like I like this film. I do. And I, I feel exactly what you're saying when you talk about coming off the high of Endgame. I remember walking out of the theater thinking, I don't need another MCU film. I will always take one, but I am satisfied completely. So Spider-Man Far From Home kind of felt like a victory lap of, hey, throw one on there, you know, throw another one up there. Why not? Um, so I, you know, I like the Homecoming a lot. You know, it might, it might be in my top 10 on MCU films. It's, it's near it at least. And I figured it would at least hit that mark of a decent movie, especially for the summertime. And that's exactly what it provided. It was a nice summertime movie. Uh, we definitely haven't seen Spider-Man on screen in this setting in Europe, which is interesting. I felt was a hit and miss. Like I kind of missed New York city, but also it was kind of cool seeing Spider-Man traverse Europe and battling weird creatures while he's still very much a kid still just all he wants to do is, um, be with MJ finally get there with his love interest. And that was nice to see. Like it was mostly a Peter Parker story featuring some Spider-Man. It's so mostly Peter Parker meets Kid Eurotrip, um, meets a little bit of Spider-Man and stuff. 
which I enjoyed. Um, definitely, it reminded me of watching Ant-Man and the Wasp right after Infinity War, where Infinity War was this big, epic, cosmic tale, and then a following MCU movie was literally a smaller film in every way. And this is what this was, too. It was a good um, dessert, if you will, after the meal, the four-course meal of Endgame. You know what? Throw another dessert. Throw in Far, far From Home. Um, it was good. I liked Mysterio. Um, I know I know you mentioned he looked kind of boring in the comics, but I always liked Mysterio. Um, I was first introduced to him in the Spider-Man video game. I just remember, damn, his fucking illusions are kind of broken because you just don't know what you're fighting. And I was hoping they would play that up in this movie. And um, they definitely don't disappoint in what they do with the character. Um, they, they definitely take it in different directions. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But Mysterio is a pretty good character. Um, definitely one of my favorite um, new characters they introduced from the Spider-Man um, gallery. And yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, you know, welcome to the MCU. He had a pretty good entrance. And I, you know, I, I really just can't wait to dive into some of the spoilers here because they take Spider-Man in some new directions. It's like they have some bold implications for the rest of the MCU films. Um, so if nothing else, let's just dive into spoilers here for Spider-Man Far From Home. Sounds good to um, me. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, no, I think what I was struggling with was since I know Mysterio, you know Mysterio, we know he's a villain and they play him up as the hero when you introduce to him. So I, I, I couldn't help but wonder, like, what, what can they do to this character that I'm not going to expect? Because if you're setting him up as a hero, then I'm going to expect the quote unquote twist to be. He's the villain. Um, and they pretty much went right that route of think he's a hero, but he's a villain. So I'm not really sure how good of a twist that was. But even though that was a predictable narrative piece right there, it was fun watching Jake do his thing. You know, like he had really good charisma when he was playing up the hero role. And once he went full bad, like that was the best part for Mysterio. When he was just swagging out as like this director of a of a orchestra of drones and just sp- like pretty much live theater fucking up Europe. That's that was pretty much his powers of like just live special effects and people feel like they're getting tossed on tornado because there's a thousand drones around them and he's just swagging out throughout the entire movie. Um, so I think that was my favorite part. Once they let Mysterio actually be the villain, um, it definitely came alive for me. He was uh, he was Kaiba from Yu Gi Oh. Like he just had these crazy holograms uh, <laughs> that he just used You're to right. dominate everybody. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I thought of him. Um, I will play off of what you said there a little bit. Um, I thought he had incredible charisma. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, shout outs to you. Did a really good job. Had really good chemistry with uh, Tom Holland playing uh, you know, Peter Parker. Uh, they just they, they had good chemistry, hands down. Um, they're my power couple for 2019 for sure. Uh, but... <laughs> But um, one, I, I think that was a weak point for me because to me he was just kind of like his his whole motivation was kind of okay, kind of bad because he was just a disgruntled employee, and I don't know, I was I was just kind of hoping maybe for a more more of a motivation, but you know, I, I guess it is what it is. Uh, they showed him in the flashbacks of uh, or they inserted him in in previous moments in other MCU films like the first Iron Man where Jebediah yells at that one scientist, you know, because he can't replicate the the, the arc reactor technology. And uh, they just show him in the background there. And then they also say that he was the one who developed the tech that we saw at the beginning of, I believe, Civil War, where Tony Stark is reliving a past memory in his head uh, using the... Yeah, barf. Barf, that's right. <laughs> what did that stand for again? Uh, behavioral arf, I think that was it. <laughs> behavioral arc all right uh but yeah they just kind of inserted him in that moment too and yeah that was his whole motivation he just pissed off at tony stark for firing him and then on top of that leaving his entire arsenal of tech at the disposal of a teenager um so really he was just really salty like that was that was his whole motivation but once i got past that i i really liked it because they made mysterio uh, into something much cooler than I thought he would have been. Um, and they also gave him that really cool makeover uh, where he's controlling the drones, like you said, in like a symphonic kind of manner. 
Um, and he still has that thing over his head that looks like the fishbowl uh, part of his costume, but it's it's actually just the it's like a helmet that's just like the the AI Tony Stark used for his Iron Man suit. So that part was really cool. I enjoyed the the new design, more modern take on uh, Mysterio's costume. And uh, I also we've we've discussed this before. I just really like the fact that these this was the perfect follow up film in terms of. I we just got done seeing a cosmic threat wiped out half the universe. It's a good change of pace to see just a regular dude who uses a simple gimmick like illusions with proficiency, uh, but it's still just an earthly local threat. Like it, it was the perfect downer, like I said, uh, the perfect dessert from the full course meal that was Endgame. So they did a great job of presenting that, and I'm just going to introduce something else that we've discussed quite a bit. You and I were going back and forth on it, but the Peter Tingles, man. Um, I really liked how they talked about the spider sense in this film because I feel like they just left it super ambiguous in the previous films of like, okay, well, why couldn't Peter Parker dodge the punch from Captain America if he has spider sense? Um, what are the limitations of Spider-Sense? Why doesn't he just dodge everything, like Goku using Ultra Instinct or something? Um, so they kind of made it a point in this film for Peter to use it in order to beat Mysterio uh, because, you know, obviously he can't use his other senses like his eyes because of the illusions. But uh, I'm going to let you piggy, I'm going to let you jump off of that, man, because I know you had like a different opinion on the whole Peter Tingles fiasco in the film. Yeah, I like that they actually went for it here. Like they actually explicitly said, you know, he he's tingling, you know, he can actually use it to fight because that's pretty much his greatest power, really. Like besides enhanced strength and agility is that sixth sense that he has. And like we, you see it in play a little bit at Civil War. Sometimes it happened in Homecoming, uh, but it was never really explicit. So I like at the end when he's fully developed his spider sense. Um, he's just the choreography then gets really cool because they're really relying on Spider-Man having his um, spider f- uh, foo, if you will, of uh, fluid movement. And that was really cool. But I guess what I didn't like is that the setup for the these Peter Tingles, which is a funny thing to call it, was that people were surprised he wasn't able to use it. So it sounded like they perceived his tingles as something that was there, but now it's not. And I just wish they leaned into that part more. Like, I wish they made it clear that this is something he could do. And then maybe the tragedy of losing Tony um, made him not so proficient in using his tingles anymore. And then once he came into his own as a Spider-Man, then he gets it back, you know? So I wanted it to be at least some arc for him getting his tingles back it representing something new for the character and i think that's what they tried to do here i just wish the the, the ending represented yes yeah, spider-man is fully realized and confident but they didn't really set it up as he lost this and i think that was just a missed opportunity but again once they dived into it it was really cool to see him take out these drones pretty much without eyes um it was a pretty good pretty cool sequence to see um, and I'll I'll pretty much underline what you said earlier about the Mysterio origin because I also felt the same way. The great things about this movie, Peter, his relationship with Zendaya and um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Nick Fury hijacking a school trip. That was all fun. But what, what I am tired of seeing in these Spider-Man movies is a disgruntled ex-employer um, that was displaced by Tony Stark being really mad and fighting Peter Parker. Like, like it's it's kind of fun having those ties. Like for Vulture, it was fun. You get to see the ramifications of something Tony wouldn't even think of. It biting someone in the butt later on, not you know, let alone his own protege in Spider Man. I didn't want to see that again for Spider Man. Like there has to be someone else who wasn't related to Tony that Spider Man can fight. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was really fun once Mysterio got into it, seeing Peter do his uh, spider tingles. Um, but I guess one thing I had a mixed thought of was how they ha- handled the the multiverse story because they teased it. You know, Mysterio went out and said there is a multiverse. He had to flee his Earth to come here 
lost his family. It was all a story his team made, you know, because they're all pretty much movie makers. And even though I kind of felt like they were going to pull a rug from under us and have that be false, I don't know. I kind of like that story. <laughs> like, I kind of like the literal interpretation of uh, Mysterio actually coming from a different world. Um, and, I, and we're going to get multiverse. You know, we all heard the announcements for Phase 4. But, man, I really kind of wanted them to do that in this one. Like, just say, hey, at the end of Phase 3, there's a multiverse. So I was a little disappointed in that. But all in all, it was still pretty fun to see Mysterio swag about with uh, Peter Tinkles in the air. Bruh, I was so mad about the multiverse thing because I was just like, oh, this is it. This is the perfect opportunity to expand the universe even more. We can get Fantastic Four coming in here. We can, that's a perfect opportunity for like Deadpool to become part of the crew. Uh, You know, there's even shenanigans where you might potentially be able to bring back, uh, you know, fallen characters of the past or something. But just like Iron Man 3's whole Mandarin twist thing, which, you know, obviously this wasn't as impactful. But, yeah, it just it really bummed me out. I really wanted that to be a thing. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, I guess I guess the I did enjoy the humor behind it because they even they even make jabs at it throughout the film where uh, Mysterio's character just says like, yeah, people nowadays will believe anything, uh, especially after the events of everything that's just transpired, which is completely true. You just saw people disappear yeah. into dust uh, in <laughs> like five years past. So people are going to believe anything nowadays. And I also thought it was really good commentary on just current events where, you know, we have this whole war on media right now and what's fake news and what's uh, what's out of context and what do you believe? Do you believe everything you see or hear on the news stations? Uh, so it had really, really, uh, it, it did a really good job of making the movie feel super relevant to, uh, to current day uh, problems for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely at the end with the whole... He utilized his video skills to cut together, like, false narrative of Spider-Man ordering drone strikes on people. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty much what people in power do these days to keep other people um, seen as a menace or untruthful. Um, But speaking of uh, people would believe anything anything these days because of stuff that happened in Infinity War, uh, the blip, they made the blip. They kind of dove into it a little bit here. Um, gave it a name. The five-year disappearance is called the blip, and I love that it started out just kind of tackling like some of the day-to-day shit that that interrupted. You know, like Aunt May got blipped back into her apartment that's now occupied by someone else, and one person thought she was a ghost, the other person thought they were their husband's mistress. Like that's just a funny like, oh yeah, these uh these everyday things are just gonna kind of fuck up stuff. Like a band just reappeared in the middle of the gymnasium during like a game. <laughs> I love those day-to-day moments there. I do appreciate the little details in those films or in these Marvel films because they didn't have to, you know, it could have been implied or it could have been shown to us through like background clippings of newspapers and stuff like that about how people came back and how they started recovering from things. But Hey, I, I, I like that they took that time and they made it comical too. So it was, it was good comic relief. Um, they were like just talking about, yeah, uh, this is why they have to repeat sophomore year. I think they were sophomores, uh, because they disappeared and anybody who disappeared and came back, well, they're just going to repeat that year. Uh, while everyone else who was alive, they're staying their current grade, uh, which was just another great, just like comic relief moment when Peter, um, and I forget the other guy's name, but he, uh, he apparently like they were making fun of the fact that he got super old and buff and really handsome. And he was trying right. to flirt with Mary Jane's character as well, so I did I did enjoy that because he was kind of like a pseudo antagonist uh, for Peter Parker because Peter was just trying to you know peacock um, Mary Jane there into liking him, but uh, yeah, that thought that was really cute and uh, just kind of going back to what you said about being tired of these disgruntled employees, it almost just feels like Peter Parker is the director of human resources to Stark Industries. Uh, all these villains just get super pissed for being fired and they take it up with Peter. Uh, so that's what I'm going to refer to Spider-Man as uh, until, you know, some recent event changes that. Uh, he's just the director of human resources for uh, Stark Industries. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, they went over it in Iron Man at how Tony weapons can come back to haunt him and everyone else. 
And yeah, like over 10 years later, still happening. Um, over 15 years later in the MCU timeline. Um, also, Peter, yeah, he had a love rival, um, Zendaya's uh, potential lover boy. He ordered a strike on him. Like, my, my dude pulled out the drone strike. Incidentally, but man, with great power comes great pettiness. You know, like, he almost <laughs> he almost blasted my man just for talking I, to the Zendaya. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. Like, I'd probably do the same thing. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if I was, uh, I don't know, like, what, Peter's like 16, 17? You know, yeah. hormones are kind of high. You get tempted. You get tempted. That, w- that would solve the problem of having a rival. You know, no more rival. Uh, all but, yeah, all it's pretty fun. To see all that. is all is fair in love and war, Randy. You've heard that saying before. It's true. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. The drone strike was a war part. Uh, got got pretty real. Um. Also, like Nick Fury was in here. Yeah, we haven't seen Nick Fury interact with Spider Man before. Um. So it was really cool to get that. You know, Nick Fury tranquilizes Ned. That was also funny. He had that moment yeah. where he was like, he kept getting interrupted. Every time he tried to talk to Spider-Man, the next person walking through that door is getting shot. This is like, yeah, that's classic Samuel in a Spider-Man movie. This is great to see. It's also really funny because he's used to working with the Avengers to take down like world threats. And he here, he's here having to tolerate a high school kid's drama uh, because there's no <laughs> other hero in the vicinity to help him out with this particular problem. Yeah, like he's literally pulling strings just to guide their field trip in a different way to get Spider-Man to do what he says. <laughs> Which is like, oh yeah, I guess that's something Nick Fury would do. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I guess no, we'll we'll get into that post-credit scene later, but it also add that it also adds a uh, nice little flavor to all those interactions as well. Um based on that post-credit scene. But we'll talk about that later. Um I also wanted to just kind of pick your brain on that final climactic showdown between Mysterio and Peter Parker or Spider-Man. Uh, did it live up to the hype for you? Did you think it was an enthralling final battle? Or did you think that it was relatively easy once Peter Parker got a got a hold of his tingles or got his tingles in check? Um, and of course, you know, there's that mid credit scene we'll talk about in a bit. But just, just the overall choreography, the fight sequence itself. Uh, what, what did you think about that? That hurdle for Peter towards well, the end. Well, I I don't want to discount the stuff that led up to it, because Peter got his ass kicked for a long time in Act Three. Like Mysterio went at him virtually without really touching him at all. Got him hit by a train, and he did some pretty cool stuff. Like the like it was almost Doctor Strange esque in some of the illusions he was casting. So we haven't really seen a villain do that to someone in the MCU that I recall. So it's pretty cool to see that. He even did a fake out of like <laughs> Nick Fury shooting Mysterio, leading Spider-Man out to safety or whatever, and then pulling a fast one on him and actually saying, hey, that's also an illusion too. Oh, watch out, here's a train. Um, so he got his ass kicked multiple times. So I, I like the buildup of any time a hero is facing a villain and he loses first, I love that because that's anticipation of them overcoming shit. You know, it's it's Rocky one losing to Apollo Creed, only to see him come back to victory. So I thought they did the setup and the build up pretty well, which then led to a really good moment of him talking to Happy, and you know them pretty much both were Happy telling him like, "Yeah, you're not Tony." You know, Tony, Tony even wasn't great. You know, like no one lived up to the expectations. Tony didn't live up to his own expectations. You just need to be you. And then he kind of gets into the mode of like, all right, I'm going to f- build my own suit, which was a criticism people had. They didn't like Tony was just giving him stuff. Hey, whatever. He built his own suit now. Can't really complain. And he just had the essence of Tony. A happy couldn't help but notice and say, you know, what? I mean, yeah, you are your own man, but I do see some of Tony in you. He started playing that Iron Man theme. That was great. Um, and, yeah, it led to that great moment of Peter fully realizing how to utilize his tingles in the best way possible. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. I thought the huge cyclone, magma, Hercules-esque monster um, had some pretty cool effects going on. Um, even though you knew it was just drones in there, it still looked pretty intimidating. Um, so I, I, I liked all of that leading up to the defeat of Mysterio um, because there was a lot he had to handle by himself. But, yeah, it was pretty good. 
I love that little bit they put in there towards the end where I think the announcer's like, oh yeah, the elemental creatures have all merged together now to form an even larger creature. And then Samuel Jackson just like, okay, now that's some bullshit. He's like, <laughs> yeah, now now it's getting too over the top. Okay, I got you. Uh, but I'll, I'll, agree, I'll agree with you. Like I said, I really like Mysterio because he he's a very simple villain. He uses illusions uh, through these drones. And these drones do have uh, weapons, but these are the weapons are like normal weapons. They're bullets and I think missiles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. But yeah. So he uses something simple like illusions with such skill that it almost seems like he's a broken character at times. Uh, because let's say he was fighting, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, Captain America or uh, Black Panther. How would they be able to see through illusions? They don't have a spider sense. So if you see it through that scope, uh, he's, he's actually pretty like he's a pretty interesting villain. Uh, because because of that aspect. And he's just essentially a super creative guy. He uses his creativity as his advantage. Uh, because like you said, he's an actor and he's a writer and he works with like film directors. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, kind of a director within a movie. Uh, it's very meta in my opinion. But yeah, he used, he used those abilities, those simple abilities with such efficacy um, that I actually really enjoyed it. I also really enjoyed the fact that he wasn't just by himself. He wasn't like a super genius or anything like that. He just had his crew with him uh, who were also disgruntled employees. Um, and they were all working together to create this epic movie uh, slash show- showdown with uh, with Spider-Man. So I did, I did really like that. I thought Mysterio was well done, like I said. Um, and yeah. in terms of that final like even even there was points where i was surprised like oh my god it's still an illusion like when uh the the final battle you think it's over and then peter walks up to him and he's laying on the floor pretending like he's shot and then he you just see peter reach off screen and like i think either catch the bullet or dodge it i can't remember off the top of my head but it catches you off guard as an audience because not even you can react to it until you see peter react to it and then Mysterio yeah. disappears, and then you you find out that he's there holding a gun uh, next to Pete, uh, next to Spider Man. So that whole that whole aspect of it was really cool. Um, really scared of illusions. Now it kind of reminded me of Genjutsu from the anime Naruto. Yeah, it was uh, exactly that. Yeah, the Mysterio just uses his uh his ocular powers to the trick and deceive his opponent. He's essentially Itachi. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy that final sequence. They made Mysterio cool, to my to my surprise. Um, yeah, sure. And I, right before that final big battle sequence, when Mysterio and Squad were getting ready for it, I like that little subtle, not maybe not too subtle, meta commentary on big action blockbusters itself. When uh, Mysterio's right hand man in effects, you know, made the first simulation and went through a, a you know a dry run of it, if you will. And Mysterio was like, you know, I'm not really feeling that. I think it needs to be bigger, more explosions, you know, times 10, everything. And they ran it back and it was bigger. There was more explosions and more destruction. And they were like, okay, now it's good. Because that's a lot of blockbusters takes of like, it needs to be bigger, more dangerous, more epic. And then, and then only will you be realized as a hero or as successful. Um, Which, you know, even I think the MCU can fall prey to that sometimes. So I enjoyed that little meta commentary there. Absolutely. And like you said, just building off that meta commentary, it just shows that uh, sometimes the threat isn't this giant disastrous, you know, being that's destroying half the city. Sometimes it's just a dude in a fishbowl helmet. And that's okay too. Honestly, it really is. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Spider-Man, for reminding me that uh, fishbowls can be intimidating too, not just giant, super strong... (laughs) galactic emperors who have a gauntlet that can wipe out half the universe so that you know i appreciate that i really do same same um and i also liked here the relationship peter had with zendaya um she's definitely a different love interest than we've ever seen in these spider-man movies before and i really like her character she's just pretty much anti 
typical girl next door kind of stuff. You know, she's very morbid. She kind of reminds me of uh, Aubrey Plaza's character April in Parks and Rec, where yeah, she just yeah. thinks of good. dark and you know just sardonic stuff because it's funny to her, because it's interesting to her, because it's against the grain. And really, there's no tip like typical high school role. There's no like this is the jock and this is the cheerleader. Like the bullies are nerds too, um, and the love interests are nerds in different ways too. Um, so I really like like this cast was literally so diverse. But even just the personality, um, I like that the main squeeze of Spider-Man is someone who just thinks something dark is hilarious. What was it that they were saying uh, when she was talking to Peter, I think, on the bridge? And she's like, you're Spider-Man, aren't you? And he's just like, I'm not I'm not Spider-Man. You're, you're Spider-Man. Uh, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. And then she's like, well, it's either that or so-and-so believes that you're a gigolo, right? I think that's what they said, a gigolo. Oh yeah, because he he saw him with like this uh, this lady, this like Russian lady or something in a like a bathroom kind of area. Right, right. <laughs> taking yeah. off his clothes. Yeah, that was a whole little subplot there. So I I thought you know again <laughs> again those moments like you said it's a Peter Parker movie first and foremost and I actually really enjoyed that more than just getting a straight up Spider Man film and him and uh, Zendaya's character or Zendaya's portrayal of Mary uh, Mary Jane was pretty unique. Uh, based on any of the other movies I've seen. And I really enjoyed it. They, they have really good chemistry, those two, in terms of acting as well. Uh, I know there was a rumor going around at some point that they were actually dating in real life, but I think that was debunked recently. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, Zendaya's, uh, Zendaya's Pro, Mary, Mary Jane, awesome. Really like that end bit where, well, I, I like the morbid moment she had throughout the whole film, but that end bit where, Peter is able to give her the heart necklace or, or the necklace. I don't know if it was a heart um, and it's like broken and he starts apologizing to her and she's like, Oh no, I actually, I like it more now because it fits my personality and she just takes it and puts it on. Uh, so that, yeah, that was, perfect. that was heartwarming for me. I always love a good story or I always love a story where the guy gets the girl. It's just me being a hopeless romantic. Um, and like I said, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man's story in the comics is generally pretty sad most of the time. So whenever he gets little wins uh, in terms of, you know, getting the girl, it, it means a lot more uh, than with other characters, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I also like the subversion there of Peter giving MJ the tour of New York City through Spider-Man's way of transport with webs. And she was terrified the entire time, which is probably a realistic depiction of someone swinging from building to building who doesn't do that for a living. She was just like, yeah, we're never doing that again. And just kind of left. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds about right. Some things you do only once and then never again. Uh, for, for Mary Jane, <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. swinging in New York um, City's rooftops. Yeah, this movie was really fun. I, I liked the little high school romance they threw in there. And Spider-Man really proving that, yeah, he's going to be a hero who's fully realized he has the Peter tingles. He's all set. Um, you know, the Tony Stark thing kind of weighs over him, but he's over. He had his vacation. He's right. Like as soon as they got back to New York city, I talked about having mixed feelings about it being mostly in Europe, but man, the relief of seeing Spider-Man swinging through New York city was fun. Like I can't, now I can't wait for that next movie. I just want to see him do his, uh, essentially what it seems to be like John wick three here. Spoilers to John wick three, but He's going to be a wanted man in New York City per that post credit scene. I mean, we should just talk about it now. I feel like it's a perfect opportunity. Uh, so go ahead, man. Take it away. Uh, reveal to everyone, spoiler warning, uh, what happens in that uh, in that mid credit scene. It was the perfect callback of Iron Man 1, Tony reluctantly at first, but then just going into it, admitting that he's Iron Man. This time, Mysterio who pretty much had the last laugh here. He didn't really win, but, you know, if he just wanted to ruin Spider-Man, he did. And J. Jonah Jameson, um, played by J.K. Simmons in the original Spider-Man movie, played in this Spider-Man movie as well, just pretty much calls Spider-Man a menace, and Mysterio reveals that his secret identity is Peter Parker, and edited to sound like he's called a drone strike on the innocent people. And... Not only was it a great callback to Iron Man 1, but then Spider-Man Homecoming where Peter sees or sees this and is just like, what the fuck? And it's like cuts right before you hear that. 
Um, that was a bold fucking move. That's one of the bolder moves I've seen in an MCU movie, um, probably since Infinity War and the snapping. And it's a shame too because I, you know, shoutouts to Kevin Smith. I, I did I did hear him say this, and I completely agreed with it. I really wanted to see just one more high school movie for Peter Parker, where you know, again, he's being challenged and coming into his own. Um, but still just enjoying those high school years before his, you know, the rest of his tragic uh, story hits him or he has to live through the rest of his tragic story. Uh, but no, in this one, they're like, nope, not going to happen. Uh, we're going to reveal his identity, whether he wants it or not. And we're going to force him to mature, um, which is what I assume that the next movie will be just him being forced to mature and, and start making tougher decisions when, when it comes to the people he cares about. And all these villains wanting to come after him now, and you know, even the citizens potentially hating him now that uh, now that uh, Jonah Jameson, right, that's his name, um, yeah. you know, has has started publicly speaking negatively about him, uh, which also was really cool to see how they turned the Daily Bugle um, into a blog, or was it a, a webcast? Yeah, some kind uh, of like vodcast kind of thing. Yeah, it's no longer a newspaper, which you know they were able to keep it relevant for 2019. Uh, but the thing that made that end credit scene so much better is that it really just flipped. Like it was unexpected, but it also just completely flipped the tone of that whole film in like a few minutes uh, because most of the film was just pretty, pretty happy go lucky. Yeah. The Mysterio stuff, you know, was the, was a opportunity for Peter to mature as a hero a little bit, but that mid credit scene, once it hit, you're like, Oh, that's it. Peter Parker's, you know, his whole career was 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 ended on that one. So they say he uh, he's going to have to just start watching himself over the shoulder. He's going to have to start dealing with the fact that there's a difference between being a good hero and being the hero that everyone loves uh, because it goes back to that Dark Knight bit. He's not the hero we deserve or not the hero we wanted, but the one we deserve. Uh, he's going to have to deal with people hating him now and ridiculing him and second guessing everything he does and at the same time still have to be a hero and make the right choice. So I don't know who the next villain for Far From Home is going to be. I don't even think they've even announced it. But uh, yeah, it's going to it's going to be definitely, I think, darker uh, in terms of the tone. And yeah, they did. They, they managed to do that in like two or three minutes, however long that that mid, that mid credit scene was. But yeah. Fantastic way to way to just kind of shake up the audience right there at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else to add to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, it's a bold move, and they can do this in a lot of ways, really. Because I think the one thing that I missed from seeing in these MCU movies were the importance of a secret identity. Really, this is the only character we've seen that really holds his secret identity you know dear like near and dear at least to the public um i think the only other one who might have done that is like ant-man but everyone else is pretty out in the open you know tony's out there thor Thor doesn't give a shit black black widow's a spy uh the hulk is the hulk um hawkeye is this hawkeye like every like dr strange he's just out there it doesn't really matter He's one of the few characters who actually cares about a secret identity. So you you actually feel the impact of like, oh, no, this needs to be a secret. This is terrible for this character. And it's interesting because they could just dive right into that realm of, all right, Peter no longer has a secret identity. Or I I suspect they they can still end the third movie with it somehow being rectified of what Mysterio said was like a weird lie and Peter, they, they like fake prove that Peter is not Spider-Man like they've done in the comics before. Um, So, yeah, I, I still think it's pretty open. You know, I, I can see Peter still having a senior year after the first three Spider-Man movies are over. And, you know, I, I'm actually more excited about Marvel getting full control of this once it makes a billion dollars, which is close to doing, because I trust that they'll still try to keep the essence of Peter. Um, I just think this is a pretty big twist for now, and I do think it'll be somehow rectified by the, by the end of the third movie, or not. They could just dive into it more and say Peter is just a public hero or a public menace, but a lot of potential there. So I'm pretty excited for the third Spider-Man, which probably will come out in Phase 5, maybe, but 
we're in a great place. He's he's the he's one of the new leaders of the MCU, and I like it. Yeah, and before I I, go, I come up with a follow up question here for you, um, I always just find it funny. Like it, again, it that mid credit scene just emphasizes just how much more maturing. Like he's got a lot more maturing to do. Peter Parker as a hero because even at the end of his second film, one of his biggest challenges is going to be people figuring out who he is. Whereas his mentor, Iron Man, literally took care of that problem at the end of the first film. So nonchalantly. He's like, oh yeah, I'm Iron Man. What are you going to do? And he's able to protect his loved ones. Which, you know, again, is part of Tony Stark's arc of him having that vision where he has to... Like, he sees the Avengers being defeated and he tries to prevent that. But you can just see how the contrast is there. Uh, Tony had no problem with his identity being given away and just dealt with it. Uh, as an adult afterwards whereas Peter is just like what the hell man I just told this girl I really liked her all I want to do is enjoy her her company now and now I have to deal with this nonsense so that was pretty cool Um, I like the contrast there again to show that Peter's not done maturing he's just getting started his journey's just beginning and it's only going to get more tragic from there sure well I actually think that's interesting because yeah, Tony made a bold move of just saying, hey, I am Iron Man. But then in Iron Man 3, they showed why that move wasn't necessarily the mature move. Because in Iron Man 3, he calls out the, you know, quote unquote Mandarin, gave him his address. Like if, like if it was like some kind of rap beef and saying like, yo, I'm out here. Come at me. And then they came at him. They destroyed his entire home. Could have easily killed anyone in there like Pops, like uh, Pepper Potts. So that kind of shows, oh, if people know who you are. You're putting your loved ones at risk there. So I feel like that's something Tony learned in there. And um, I do think Peter still has a journey of maturing. But I do think they're they're really going to show if you have a secret identity and you're a kid, having that removed from you is going to be tragic. Um, so I think you're right. I think it might be a, a, like a darker movie. And he will have to learn how to mature. But I, I do wonder um, what that journey is going to be. Because I don't even think Tony handled it the right way. And Peter... You know, Happy said he needs to be better than Tony. So I do wonder what that is going to be for Peter. What's going to be better than Tony in order to solve this problem? All right. And that leads me to my follow-up question here. How have you liked these changes that they've done with Peter Parker uh, based off of, like, previous films? So he's not a photographer. He doesn't work for the Daily Bugle. Uh, He's got this much closer relationship to Tony Stark and Iron Man, kind of just taking up the mantle Whereas in the previous films, none of that is mentioned. Uh, how do you feel about these changes in the direction they're going in with Peter Parker slash Spider-Man? I think it's pretty necessary because we already had two movies pretty fairly recently tackle all these things. And I'm sure if those movies didn't exist, um, Marvel would have went the more classic Peter. But they realize they do need to make changes because people have seen these movies over and over again. And it needs to be something different a little bit. You know, so you have a a younger, pretty hotter Aunt May. Um, Uncle Ben is not in the picture. Tony Stark is a surrogate Uncle Ben. Um, Mary Jane isn't in it. It's it's MJ, a different MJ. Uh, we get to see Ned, who is in the comics. He is, you know, Peter's friend. But you know, I I enjoy all those changes so far. You know, I really love Ned at his as his best friend, the the guy in the chair. That's really fun. The new MJ, I feel, is way interesting than the old MJs were portrayed, or uh, even uh, Gwen Stacy's character, who I did like in Amazing Spider-Man. But this MJ's new. I like it. Uh, this Peter, yeah, he does different things. He's not a photographer at the Daily Bugle. Um, he wasn't even called like a menace until the the end of this movie, so he didn't really have that um, beef with the, his empl- secret employer, you know. Um, but... This Peter is, people have said it over and over again. We're not going to say anything new here, but he's a fully realized Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, it's the pretty much the perfect charisma and awkwardness put together. And he just seems like a New York kid. So, yeah, there's a lot of different changes from the classic interpretation. Um, this one is a little bit more ultimate Spider-Man. More techs are involved here. But I, I really enjoy it. It's refreshing because we've had so much Spider-Man in the last 20 years. 
and what they're doing with this version is what MCU does with so many of the characters. They take the essence of them and put them in new situations. So the essence of Peter is still there. He's just an awkward kid who has love interests. He wants to be a high school student, but the, the burden of power is still there. So he feels the weight of responsibility. We already know he got that speech with Uncle Ben because he kind of um, interprets, interprets it in the Civil War meeting with Tony Stark. Um, so he already has that lesson. We're seeing him struggle through it um, in a different setting. You know, he's in the U Europe. He's in Washington, D.C. That's fine because we still get Peter Parker just trying to do the right thing while also trying to enjoy his life. So I I really enjoy what they're doing with Spider-Man. Uh, what about you as a whole? How do you feel about it? Uh, well, you know, I'm always a fan of the classics because of nostalgia. Really liked Sam Raimi's or Sam Raimi's um, interpretation of of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Uh, but I have to say, if I'm looking at it from an unbiased lens, uh, then I would say that the Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home have actually been the better portrayals of Peter Parker. I really like the changes they've made, um, especially with the relationship of him being discovered by Tony Stark and then having to take up the mantle from him. Um, I do really appreciate those changes. Uh, it just makes some... Uh, I don't know what the right word here is. Not interesting, because he was always an interesting hero. Um, but I think it just adds a, a new flair slash element that just makes me care more about uh, the the maturity of Peter Parker. Because before, I don't know if you... I don't know how many of our audience members here will recall, but the original trilogy, the first one, he was just... He was dealing with his powers like in the like in the stereotypical manner, you know, oh man, I have to figure out my super strength, I have to figure out these weird spider senses that I'm having. Uh but then the second film, which was I think the best one in that trilogy, um I I'm just not sure if there was really any struggle in terms of situations where Peter was forced to to go undergo some kind of mature change. I know he had the whole, you know, brilliant but lazy speech from dr octavius in that film but i didn't really feel like there was any big moments where he was forced to make um a tough decision that that taught him a lesson and forced him to mature and then in spider-man 3 which was kind of a mess uh that's when you have to deal he he deals with it more in terms of fighting the green goblin or the green goblin's son and then you know balancing that with accepting that person to as still being his friend and then having to save mary jane um, who is only in peril because people know his identity now. So I feel like these movies have done a much better job of conveying that journey, portraying that journey, um, and condensing it in these in, in these two films. So I will say these are the better movies. I, I do like the changes they've made with this Peter Parker. I also, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I think Tom Holland's been the best Peter Parker uh, that I've seen so far compared to Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Um so yeah, I, I do like these films more. I just kind of wanted to end it here with just asking, who would you like to see as the villain in the next film potentially? And anybody listening, feel free to you know leave a comment as well, telling us who do you think will be the villain in the in the new Spider-Man movie when it happens. But personally, for me, I wouldn't want to see Green Goblin yet. I feel like it's still pretty recent that we saw Green Goblin in in those original trilogies. Uh, don't want to see any of the amazing Spider-Man characters because, honestly, they're my least favorite movies out of the Spider-Mans, and I just didn't really like. It just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So, what would you like to see, man, in the future? Well, I do have to comment Spider-Man Two. I felt like they pulled a lot of Peter struggles from Spider-Man Two. Spider-Man Two was just uh, Peter not wanting to be Spider-Man anymore. He just wants to be a normal, you know, young adult. And he sees like buildings on fire and police coming. And he has to choose, you know what? I'm going to try to live my life and ignore it. So his maturity was that, no, I need to be Spider-Man because people are in danger. So I will say a lot of homage came back to these Sam Raimi movies um, because it, I think they did do a pretty good job at dealing with Peter's normal life conflicting with his uh, superhero, superhero dumb. Um, just want to throw that in there. But um, when it comes to villains... There's, I mean, he still has a huge arsenal of what they could do. Um, I, you know, I, I wish they wouldn't 
keep killing off all these villains. Like, I wish Mysterio was still alive. Because I do want a sincere version of the Sinister Six. We still have Vulture laying in the mist. It would have been cool to have Mysterio still on that team. They haven't really introduced enough villains to do a Sinister Six organics, organically yet. Um, at least with the Spider-Man villains. Maybe they can pull from other MCU movies. Um, but I, you know, I still do like Venom. Venom has his own movie, so that's just a shit show of how you how you're going to include that character. And I also really like Carnage because he's one of the scariest villains I've just seen in a superhero universe. But again, they kind of already put him in the Venom universe, so they're kind of ruining the whole symbiote um, method. Um, there are some other ones like Craven the Hunter. He's a pretty cool villain of someone who's just trying to have the the greatest prey just conquer them and you know eventually he turns his sight to spider-man and you know he is a fully realized martial artist and hunter so he's he's a pretty formidable uh formidable foe for spider-man to handle um green goblin of course is a classic doc doc ock is a classic um but you know i wouldn't mind them going a little more pedestrian um like i i enjoy they introduced shocker sort of in the first one but, you know, they have weird ones like Hammerhead and Rhino that th- he can just fight all, like just in the beginning, just thwarting a, a bank robbery. Introduce some of them. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go with Craven as the one I would like to see. That's that's a good one, actually. I didn't I forgot all about Craven. Uh, that would be that would be cool because you could also have the fact that Peter's identity has been revealed be another factor in there. That exactly. he used to his He's on benefit. The run. Exactly. So I could totally see that being a situation where, like, it, it gives me vibes of what would happen if the Punisher went after Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, I, I actually really sure. like that. Uh, I think that would be a really that would that would fit the tone too of a darker Spider-Man story, and then it would also kind of reaffirm that fact that Peter is not going to be. He has to get used to people that he protects, fellow humans not liking him and coming after him as well. Uh, so that would be a very interesting struggle for him to face in the next film. That, that's a good one, man. That was a good yeah. one. What about yourself? What are you feeling? Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Carnage because I remember when that Venom movie came out and we discussed the post credit scene, you were really pissed about how they uh, they showed Cassidy being portrayed by, uh, what's that actor's name? Uh, the one who, who portrayed him. He's like really famous. What do you yeah, what do you hear? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh you just you I said he you. looked like a raggedy Ann looking motherfucker. <laughs> 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 yeah, pretty much. Which was it was so disappointing because I haven't seen we've never seen Carnage in a film and then when we do see him it you, you see him wearing this cheap looking wig with this really bad accent and it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, so I would love to see the symbiote stuff, but with the way Venom's playing out, and I, I just don't see it being introduced anytime soon. Plus, I feel like those two villains are more suited for a more mature Peter, uh, more seasoned Peter, more seasoned Spider-Man to face, um, just because they're they're just pretty powerful opponents in general. So, while I would like to see Carnage, I I don't think we're gonna see it anytime soon. But that would have been my pick, uh, just because his his backstory of being a serial killer. Um, and just, just an overall villain with no redeeming qualities. There's no redemption whatsoever. There's no relatability. He's just evil. Yeah, um, just fucking scary. Exactly. Exactly. And he's stronger than Venom from what I remember yeah. from the comics. Supposed so, to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would have been my pick, but you know, alas, uh, that's why I like the Craven one too. Cause it can fit that tone just, just as well, if not close and, uh, still, you know, force Peter to make some tough choices in the next film. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Marvel released their full slate of movies. So they can easily introduce other people's typical villains and see how Spider-Man handles it. You know, Um, Spider-Man V doom. That would be a little bit insane, but that's something they could do at this point with full control over fantastic Four. all these other licensed heroes are coming back to them with the mutants. So, you know, they don't even have to just pull from his own gallery. They can include Craven as one of the villains and also include someone else's villains as something Spider-Man has to deal with. So, they I mean, they have a lot of opportunities to go. Um, you know, they also had that post-credit scene of it being 
um, was it the Cree, I believe? The Cree, yeah. Who, yeah, who actually just impersonated on orders Nick Fury um, the entire time, which is pretty cool. And Colby Somers' uh, character as well. And Nick was just kind of like in a pseudo vacation break and just running shit from afar. But that's interesting because you have Creed as on this planet the entire time. Uh, spoilers for Captain Marvel, but, you know, the Cree were eventually portrayed in that movie as more sympathetic. You know, the, the surrogate immigrants um, of that universe in the war. But there could be a whole nother legion of Cree people who don't align with those Cree and actually want to take over some shit, maybe have some vengeful feelings over, you know, Captain Marvel's uh, adoptive planet. Maybe they want to take over Earth. So, you know, he could deal with like some kind of a secret invasion kind of stuff too. Marvel has so many opportunities for storylines. I have I can't even predict where they're gonna go with Spider Man at this point. But I'm excited about it either way. And it's such a good problem to have. Uh, what it like like we've said before in our first of review for Avengers Endgame. What a what a blessing to live in a day and age where we just have all these great comic book films coming out and all of them have not disappointed thus far. So what a great time to be alive for sure. Um, just going back to that final post credit scene. If you look back at Spider-Man Far From Home, there's really key moments in there that once you see that post credit scene make a lot of sense. And that's like, for instance, the the moment where or the moments where it seems like Nick Fury is just really impatient with Peter Parker, um, almost to the point where it's excessive, and you're kind of wondering like, wow, he's really being hard on Peter here. It's just a Cree in disguise pretending to be Nick Fury, so you could see like why he would be all no nonsense about the whole situation, because as an alien, you know, you don't have any real connection with these characters. You just you know, do what, you know, whatever Nick Fury asked you to do to the best of your abilities. And you already saw his character in Captain Marvel being that kind of snarky, witty kind of, uh, uh, you know, personality. Uh, so I did enjoy that. And then there was one scene in there where Peter's asking Nick Fury, you know, what happened to Thor? He's off planet. What about Captain Marvel? And then he says, we don't invoke her name, which... Is funny now because it was the Kree guy in disguise, and he does not like Captain Marvel. Um, so yeah, like it, it was a really funny bit that really just I didn't catch until that post-credit scene had occurred. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a fun post-credit scene. But the most impactful one was definitely that mid-credit scene. Uh, but other than that, I would say final thoughts for me. I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Ned and his love interest. I forget that girl's name. <laughs> but that was yeah, that was pretty fun. That was such a that was such a great part of that film because he uh, perfectly portrays how we go through summer flings, and we we start off hot and heavy, and then eventually we just it just ends. Uh, same thing happened with uh, with his aunt May and uh, that other character's name I forget. Happy, is it Happy? Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just I love those little bits, uh, and then they broke up so nonchalantly at the end, but we're so cordial. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Um, and my final thoughts, really liking this series. You know, I had I had some mixed feelings about Peter's arcs in general because sometimes he wants to be Spider-Man, sometimes he wants to be in the Avengers, sometimes he doesn't. But I like where they settled with, with Spider-Man being realized as he needs to be the hero that people need. You know, he he needs the tingles. He needs to step up. He needs to build his own suit. And now he needs to protect everyone he loves because people highly suspect him to be um, a villain at this point. So I really like where they've put his narrative. Super excited to see what they're going to do with his story next. Um, And I think that'll bring us to the end of this podcast. Um, So thanks for joining us on our review for Spider-Man Far From Home. Tune in next time where I believe we'll be talking about Midsommar the uh, sophomore directorial movie of Ari Aster. Um, so many thoughts free... on that one. So many oh, thoughts. Yeah, that's going to be a dark one. Um, but yeah, opposite of this one, which is just like love interests and high school and Europe and Spider-Man, that one's going to be a lot of tragedy and tears and confusion. Um, and I like that contrast. You know, it's good to switch it up. A lot of pubes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> 
um yeah feel free to reach out to us at after after the act podcast at gmail.com follow us on spotify itunes google play music wherever you listen to podcasts um and remember where great power comes great responsibility bruh does this mean that spider-man is essentially kuwabara with the tingles it's like i've got the tingles uh, i think that's it he's cool borrow yeah, yeah they both they both have that uh that sixth sensibility anyways <laughs> <laughs> listen Don't... to your tingles everyone that's right see ya